You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hello, welcome inside Hour 2 of The Dan Patrick Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. And, uh, you know, news I want to share with you right now. Doug Gottlieb has been cast in the new Tom Brady movie as Sally Field's love interest or Jane Fonda's love interest. I forget. Who was it? Sally Field. Definitely Sally Field. Okay. uh, Because she was Frog in Smoking the Bandit. That's my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) Right? I didn't know that Smoking the Bandit's your favorite movie. I didn't know that. Heck yeah. First thing I'm going to do. First thing I'm I mean, think about the lines in that movie that would never be allowed today. First oh, thing yeah. I'm going to do when I get home is punch your mama in the mouth. Right? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to have to cut. Jack, Mr. Gleason, we're going to have to cut that one from the script. Uh, Everything he said would have had to have been cut from the script. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, so uh, we got uh, Bill Orem coming up in about 20 minutes. Lakers insider with The Athletic. Got a lot of NBA to get to. We'll get to James Harden's debut coming up in a few minutes. But uh, the biggest NFL headline the last 24 hours, outside of Aaron Rodgers waiting for a decision, right? Diana Rossini reporting, oh, Aaron Rodgers' decision is coming soon. Like, that's news? Really? I could have done that. I could have put that on Twitter. The decision's coming soon. Uh, Eric Bieniemy will return as the Chiefs offensive coordinator for the 2022 season. Uh, this news first reported by NFL Network. He's coming back on a one-year contract. Uh, this is some kind of journey for a guy who for a while was the it guy, at least on social media, from fans and people around the league. Hey, this guy's going to be a head coach one day in the NFL. It hasn't happened. Got to the point this offseason that maybe Bieniemy wasn't even going to come back with the Chiefs. However, met with Andy Reid, and he's going to stay on on as the Chiefs OC. He had considered coaching in college, listening to other offers, potentially taking a year off, but he's going to come back one-year deal with the Chiefs as the OC. And, you know, as far as enemy goes, Doug, this is where I would like the next great investigative journalistic story to take us. Like, let, let's get the Don Van Nattas or the, you know, the people who did money, uh, who did the Balco stuff. Let's get him into why Eric Bieniemy's not a head coach, right? Because there's so much mystery swirling around why he's not there. He doesn't interview very well. Well, after 12 interviews, he doesn't interview very well anymore. Like, what's the why is he not a head coach? Because every time head coaches get hired and we point to the inequality of, of black coaches not getting the head coaching opportunities, we point to Eric Bieniemy. And, and it's Bieniemy's the offensive coordinator. Oh, does he call the plays? He doesn't call the plays. I, I really would like to see, because that would really help. That's like an investigation report that would help say, okay, this is why it sits where it does for Eric Bieniemy. Okay, well, I'll, I'll give you a couple things. Uh, first thing is, I, I, no one, no one actually does know what his level of input is, what his level of effectiveness is, and there have been many people that have, you know, there's many stories that come out that whether it's Mahomes, uh, you know, or, or other coaches, but Mahomes like doesn't have a great working relationship with him. I mean, here's like this is all you need to know. It's not about the interviewing shouldn't necessarily tell the story because it's hard to get a head. First of all, it's hard to get a head coaching job. Like I hope people understand. Like they're not just given to people. Um, what's what, why am I blanking? He just got fired for the Denver Broncos. He's a he was terrific defensive coordinator. Oh, Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio was an assistant for 35 years before he got a head coaching job and a really good defensive coordinator. Now, one of the reasons. Is there been people that have crossed paths with fans? He was like, you know, he's not really a collaborator. He's a great coach. But when you lead a team, it's about being a little bit of a collaborator. Anyway, Ryan Poles is with the Kansas City Chiefs. He gets the general managerial job with the Chicago Bears. And usually you take somebody with you. 
Okay, to, to win, especially for that first job, you want somebody you've worked with before, somebody you've a relationship with, you know, somebody who thinks along the same 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 thoughts that you do. And instead, polls got uh, hires Matt Everflus. Now, Bill Polian had a was kind of an overseer into the job. That's why polls was selected, and Eberflus is a guy that everybody swore by. But look, look at what happened with the Giants, right? You have uh, Brian Dable was the guy who who fixed Josh Allen. Bill Shane gets the job as the general manager. They both come together from Buffalo. So for the rest of the league, it, it tells you all you need to know that if Eric Bieniemy was such a hot candidate and was so desirable, wouldn't a guy who worked with him every day for the past couple of years, wouldn't that be his first thought, his first hire, his first interview? And the answer is no. The second thing is in regards to what – when people say he's a bad interviewer, they, they're not saying he's a bad guy or that he's mentally or emotionally incompetent. It's that if – and again, this is from actual people who have actually interviewed the enemy. He, he's not going to coach in college. Okay, There's too much baggage from when he was on the staff at CU. They couldn't even interview – they couldn't really bring him in despite the fact he was a great player there. Okay, So college is a completely different animal. And I I don't see that being a landing place for him. And when when it came out that he might do college or he might take a year off, that 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 is not a good sign. Okay. Second thing is keep in mind it's not like he has some schlum job. Offensive coordinator pays seven figures. Okay, and he's got two of the most talented weapons with one of the most talented quarterbacks. And Andy Reid has been a kingmaker for years. But the questions about how well they get along are. But the big thing is when he's interviewed. There just hasn't been any meat, anything, any there, there. Like these guys, they go in for interviews. You, you got you to gotta really invest in the process. And who, who do you like? Who do we have? How do you want to change? What is the plan? Who would you hire? Who would you draft? Who would your free agents be? Like it's an all-encompassing instead of what I was told was a very, very bland look at what it would be like. And... I talked to three people who have interviewed him for three different jobs, and they've all said similar to the same thing. I, I came in not knowing if I would like him or love him or whatever, if he could, and I liked him a lot more than I probably thought I would have. Uh, it wasn't about personality, but one, you, no one's able to identify exactly what he does in Kansas City. But not calling plays does not mean you can't be a head coach. Nobody actually cares, right? It's can you. Make everybody work together. Do you have a vision and a plan? But the big thing that was missing is some sort of substance to the plan, to the vision, who he'd hire, how he'd play, what our team would look like, where you could close your eyes and just feel it, taste it, sense it. And they all said kind of the same thing, like not not really comparable to some of the other guys that we, we interviewed. That's it. See, I, I, I can't help but think there's something we're not being told. Because just take let me take two of the points you just brought up right there. First, the interviews. I can get that that maybe the first two or three interviews that all right maybe Eric Bieniemy didn't really wow and I got to go back and figure out okay what do I need to do to interview because you would think somebody I want to be a head coach boy I've heard my interviews aren't good so aren't you going to work on them and the guys I think had about fifteen interviews to be a head coach so I got to think by now if the guy really wants to be a head coach he understands what he has to do in an interview to to wow people I mean just like anybody else look when I was when I was younger going out for my first jobs and you know I, I, all right how do I 
right? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to come across as, as, as ready to take on the world? Am I supposed to come across as being cool and detached? Like, how, how do I do it? And, you know, it, there's a way to figure out just being yourself in the interview. So I got to think after, you know, seven or eight, like the last five or six had to go somewhat smoothly. But the other part is that if it was so bad and, and, and there's red flags for enemy, why is he back again? If it was so bad with Mahomes, if he doesn't get along with Mahomes and all these things are happening and the offense is having issues in the playoffs, why is he back for another year as the OC? I, I don't think Andy Reid's going to, well, I really got to help him out and he's just going to sit around and not do anything and I'm going to get him paid for a year. I, I, I got to think there's something else going on where we're, we're not being told about why he's not there. And, and the whole thing with the enemy is kind of shrouded in mystery. You would think at some point, as, as you said, you'd be able for teams to know, okay, what's Eric Bieniemy's role with the team? What actually happened? You can, you can probably figure that out at some point if you do enough digging. How involved is he with the game plan? How involved is he not? But in the end, guys like Joe Judge get opportunities who are special teams coaches. And all right, we, he doesn't call offensive plays, defensive plays, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to hire him. I, I just can't help but think that, boy, there's, there's just still too much mystery around the story where now there should be more meat on the bone here where we should know, okay, this is why so-and-so is not getting the opportunity that he is. You don't. You don't do that. Nobody. Nobody does that. And 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 honestly, people don't want to know the truth. But but you don't. I, I'm. I just. I I think that Ryan Poles not taking him with him tells you what you need to tells you what you need to know. It just does. It just says not not a dude. You know. It's just, people people tell you with their actions. They don't have to tell you with their words. And and if that gets out, everybody gets eviscerated. If you say that he's not, you know he you know he doesn't. He doesn't give substance, then there's going to be a racial connotation to it. There's not. There's just not. I, I'm sure there are lots of people who have interviewed him and wanted to hire Eric Bieniemy. But you know, like this, this has been my my pushback with people who call it. It's like, yes, why Joe Judge? Well, because because John Mara worships the ground that Bill Belichick walks on. And when Bill Belichick says Joe Judge is a head coach, he's he's a John Harbaugh type, and a, a special teams coach that can motivate the whole team. Then John Mar that's and it's the same reason that John Merrow wanted to interview Brian Flores. You know, plus he's a Boston College guy and Brian Flores is a Boston College guy. And he was intrigued by him and might have wanted to hire him, but he hired a general manager that had a different plan. So I think there's a lot that goes into uh, who gets a head coaching job? A lot of times it's you got to be from the same kind of football family and have a relationship there. And what's happened with guys who have had relationships with the Chiefs and with that organization, they have not hired him. And so that's kind of – it feels like a warning sign to the rest of the league. I don't think you're ever going to get the this is why he's not – I'm telling you why. I'm telling you the exact reason why. I'm telling you why he didn't get a couple of the jobs. It was that in comparison to who they hired and who became a finalist, it wasn't close in terms of the vision for the team. That's it. it it's just that you interview. This has been my argument with the – that's why the Rooney rule, again, in theory, is a, is a really smart rule. It's to get more people of, that are not of your circle in front of – general managers in front of it's it's one of they also have a minority coaching position again get more people of color in front of decision makers where it's not just for the decision makers to create a relationship that's part of it but also so that everybody gets you've interviewed before you can get feedback what do i need to do better and the feedback has been that just it's it's not good not substantive enough they, they don't they don't believe in your vision or think that it's thorough enough 
and has what the, what they want as a fit. This is my if these are billion billion dollar companies, right? Like we would all agree they're all worth uh, two billion uh, two billion and up. Right? If the Bengals are the least valuable, they're going to be worth two billion, and that's the minimum. The Cowboys, it's at least five, if not six, if not seven. These are billion dollar corporations. If you think for one second that anything matters more than winning to somebody who's because if you're a general manager or you're uh, president of football operations, your career revolves around one thing. Does the head coach that I hire, is he going to win me football games? Because if he wins, then I get paid and I get to keep my job and I don't have to move my family and I don't have, we don't have to change schools. Nothing changes. We just make more money and we stay longer. That's all we want. And the owners, all they want is to make money. And they make money by winning games. That's it. So if you think at any time they go, well, you know, we could win more with this guy, but he's black, so we're going to win more with this guy. No. It's not, okay? It's a copycat league where right now the hot coaches are the young uh, Kyle Shanahan's, the young Sean McVay's, right? That, that's, that's how it is. Or you're a quarterback whisperer and you tie yourself to a quarterback. And I understand that the previous head coach, Matt Nagy, was a Kansas City guy who worked with quarterbacks who's supposed to, who's supposed to fix Mitchell Trubisky and then, you know, couldn't fix when they – when they go and they draft a, a star quarterback. But if Ryan Poles thought the answer to the quarterback problems with the Chicago Bears resided in Eric Bieniemy because of his work with Pat Mahomes, he'd be the head coach of the Chicago Bears right now. He's not. It tells you all you need to know. Well, and you talk about winning. Sometimes you got to lose if you want to keep your job too, right? Sometimes, sometimes you got to lose games. You mentioned Brian Flores. Got to lose games. You want to keep your job. You want to stay around here. Got to lose. Got to lose. Got to tank. Got to get that. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Doug at Gottlieb Show. Uh, we'll have more on the NFL coming up later on this hour. Uh, look, a lot of big stuff going on today. Uh, but straight ahead, we have James Harden's debut with the 76ers tonight, plus Lakers insider Bill Oram stops by. How bad is LeBron James versus the Lakers really? Keep it right here. Jason and Doug, this is Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio, happy Friday. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. Got Bill Oram coming up, Lakers insider from The Athletic. LeBron versus the Lakers. It just seems to get bigger and bigger every day. We, did you play, Doug, did you play the uh, Bulls versus Blazers and Bulls versus Lakers, the, you know, the, the big EA sports games when they first came out? Because I kind of feel like LeBron like, versus was, Lakers should be a game too. It was Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs. Then it was Lakers versus Bulls in the NBA playoffs. Yes, I played those, say, played those uh, Sega Genesis games to death. I mean, how about the Blazers had the title of a video game? I mean, just think about that now. The Blazers were in the title of a video game. Amazing. Uh, with us now on the hotline, as I mentioned, Bill Orem, Lakers insider from The Athletic. All right, Bill, just just how bad is LeBron versus the Lakers right now? I mean, I, I thought we were going to talk about Blazers versus Bulls and, and Sega Genesis. Um, oh, we could. <laughs> we could, 100%. You know, I think I think there's a lot of posturing going on, especially from LeBron's side. I don't know that I – I'm not convinced that LeBron James – you know, wants to burn it down. You know, I don't know that he, I'm not convinced that he is angling for a premature exit from the Lakers. I think that there is some, some cage rattling going on here 
where LeBron just sort of, sort of wants to recalibrate the power dynamic and remind the Lakers that even though he signed a four-year contract when he initially signed here, that he uh, signed a contract extension, that he has every reason to play the rest of his days out in Los Angeles, um, that he doesn't have to. And it's not, a, it's not just a foregone conclusion and that, you know, if you want to have the, the, the privilege of employing LeBron James, you can't waste that gift. And, you know, if you're LeBron, you're 37 years old, you're playing as well as anybody ever has at that age, playing at an MVP level, uh, truly, and um, and you're not getting results. You're looking around and seeing that you've you know, basically had three losing seasons in four years, um, and that's just not good enough. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I, I, I think that's what he's doing. He's leveraging the Lakers, right? But this whole, like, Bronny thing, B- Bill, I— I saw Bronny play against Harvard Westlake in the game they lost. He, he's a nice player. He scored four points. Like he's, what are we doing here? Like this is, it, it's bad enough yeah. Dwayne Wade bought into the Utah Jazz so his son can play on their G League team, which stinks. But for Bronny to go like, I'm going to leverage my uh, an NBA team based upon my son who doesn't feel like he's going to be a pro in a couple of years, right? He may end up being an NBA player, but not for a – it's going to take a little bit of time. Like, I, I don't I, I don't understand that move. Uh, you know, I, I just don't. Well, I mean, it, it, does, it does seem like it's one of those things LeBron is trying to speak into existence, right? Like, he does so many other, other things. Um, and, you know, I do think that there is – you know, validity is the idea that a team would, you know, take more of a chance on Bronny if it meant there was a chance to get, you know, the, the golden years out of LeBron. But um, I, I'm i with you. We're also a couple of years away from this. Like, this is not something that is happening imminently. And 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 Bronny has a long way to go, both in terms of um, developing as a player and kind of figuring out his career path. You know, is he going to go to college for a year? Is he going to go through the G League path? Is he good enough to go the G League path? I mean, we're those, a lot of those guys who go the G League Ignite route are, are, you, know, are you know, bona fide first-round picks. Um, I mean, I guess that's one way LeBron could play with Bronny, right? Bronny plays, and he can play with him sooner. Bronny plays in, for the G League Ignite in two years, and LeBron drops down and plays in the G League. I mean, he'd dominate the G League. I'm being facetious in case I wasn't there. <laughs> this to me looks like the, uh, the 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 off-court version of a LeBron James heat check. Let's see how my let's see how re- how big my power really is that I can speak it into existence that I could play with Bronny because because I I look at this bill as he's really trying to leverage the Cavs right now like eventually I want to go back home right I want to finish there I don't want to finish here so this whole thing in, in the in in the All Star weekend of hey I'm never closing the door I'm just a kid from Akron uh, I could see myself going back there and I want to play my last year with Bronny like I think that's him saying hey you have a couple of years we're gonna make this happen because that's we're going to finish me in Cleveland with Bronny, and that's what it's going to be. But I mean, are we convinced that the Cavaliers are going to want LeBron? No, in a year or two? they don't want him. They're on a great path as it is. They've got five young core pieces who look like they can be a contender as it is. When you when you sign LeBron James, everything as we're seeing as we're seeing becomes about LeBron James, and you know, and that works when you're the Lakers and you are completely moribund and you have. You have nothing going for you, and you've missed the playoffs six straight years. I mean, the Cavs are an ascendant team in the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, they are a contender right now. Uh, to say nothing of where they might be in, you know, two years when LeBron's a free agent. So, um, 
or, or in a year when LeBron's a free agent. So you know, it might be a lot of a lot of posturing for nothing. I mean, you know, there 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 are teams that would absolutely you know sell a um, an appendage to get LeBron at 38, 39 years old because they don't have anything else going for him. Uh, that will not be the Cavaliers in twenty twenty three or twenty four. Bill, let, 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 let's discuss the current state of the Lakers. And, yes, that's a year and a half in the future. But part of it speaks to uh, the the discontent with Rob Palenka, right, with, 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 which, with Rich Paul. I'm led to believe, and you're the insider, you know way more. I'm led to believe that a lot of this comes back from last year's trade deadline when they didn't go out and get Kyle Lowry. And the feeling is... None of this would have ever been an issue had they just simply, you know, moved off of Taylor and Horton Tucker last year and gotten Kyle Lowry. Is it that or is it that the Lakers are pushing back because Westbrook was the choice when the Buddy Heald done deal was already done? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it's I think it's a little bit folly to say that, that Rob Polinka, you know, was overruled on the on the Russell Westbrook trade or something like that. I mean, Rob Polinka also wanted to trade for Russell Westbrook. Like he was also on board with that deal. You know, you would ha- I I just remain completely unconvinced that Rob was simply doing LeBron's bidding. I think LeBron wanted. I had no LeBron wanted that deal done, but it wasn't just Rob. You know, moving out of the way and letting Rich Paul, um, you know, move the pieces around. So um, you know, Rob also wanted Russell Westbrook. But you're you're right. I mean, like the, the discontent. You know, it's 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 a bigger it's it's been a longer runway than just this you know than just the trade deadline or just this season, because really the the one thing that Rob Palinka has done right, like, you know, I mean the one primary thing he's done right is you know pushes chips all in and get Anthony Davis, and that led to a championship in 2020. You know, obviously they they put the right pieces around that team. But in terms of big moves, you know, you, you, you deconstruct that, that championship team and build a team that doesn't get out of the first round. Now, granted, injuries played a huge role in that. Um, and then you, you don't improve that team, you know, at the trade deadline when there was a real opportunity to go out and get a third <clears throat> real, you know, kind of killer, you know. I mean, in Kyle Lowry, the fact that that deal was even in place for the pieces that the Lakers would have had to uh, send to Toronto kind of remains baffling. I mean, they were going to get that deal done for Dennis Schroeder, who – left in free agency, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's underperformed, and Contavious Caldwell Pope, who they basically, you know, I think undervalued, but just threw in threw into the Russell Westbrook trade. So um you know, that 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 remains probably one of the bigger blunders of of Falinka's uh tenure. And you're right, because of everything that it has led to, you know, you don't need to go out and get that third playmaker. You don't need to go out and get that third star. Um you have a you know a gritty, you know, sort of um culture sort of setting point guard in Kyle Lowry who's going to do who's going to be a great fit next to LeBron is going to be great for Anthony Davis and instead you valued you know 20 year old Taylor Horton Tucker when you have otherwise completely uh not valued you know future assets at all so it was totally antithetical to the way they have built their roster and sort of you know forged their identity as a front office and it has to be sort of you know it has to to go back to the fact a little bit I mean that that is a clutch client right like you know it, it gets framed a lot that that the Lakers chose Taylor Horton Tucker over Alex Caruso, but part of the reason, you know, that they you know they valued Taylor Horton Tucker so much was that they undervalued Alex Caruso, right? Like they 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 made Alex Caruso an offer before they signed Taylor Horton Tucker. It was just a low ball offer, and in large part that's because you know the powers that be, whether that's Rob Palinka, Kurt Rambis, and uh, and then also Rich Paul in their ear are 
are, are saying, hey, we, we, we can do just fine on the open market and, and replicate what Caruso does, whether that's in part um, Kendrick, Kendrick, uh, Kendrick Nunn, but also primarily Taylor Horton Tucker, who was getting, you know, was getting um, blown up a lot by, by Rich Paul, and he just obviously hasn't been that guy yet. Lakers insider Bill Oram with us here, Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb. So when we get to the end of the season and there's been a lot of debate on the Lakers with, with as far as what their future is with the big three, LeBron James, oh, maybe they should try to trade him. AD, maybe they should try to trade him. Russell Westbrook, oh, we got to trade him. What happens at the end of this? Are they all, are all three of them Lakers next year? Are two of them Lakers next year? Is one of them Lakers next year? What is it? I think I think it's still LeBron and AD. I'm you know, you know how how they get rid of Russell Westbrook. I am not sure. Um, you know whether it's you know finding a trade partner. If it is, I, I don't think you, I don't think you I don't think you can stretch that contract. I think you take the hit over one year if you if you end up keeping him. But I don't think Russell Westbrook is a is 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 on the team next year. He's certainly not playing member of the team next year, uh, barring something really dramatic unfolding over these final twenty four games. But you know the LeBron and Anthony Davis connection has been so good, um, and it did yield a championship. And I think you know you're kind of in this. This is kind of this is kind of the 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 way you have formed your team, and you you've had some bad injury luck, obviously, and that seems to follow Anthony Davis, and that is just a, a mammoth risk with him. But you've seen it when they are healthy that they can you know that they can beat anybody, especially when the the, the roster is built out smartly around them. And I think that's probably your still your clearest path to a championship. But if you don't trade Russell Westbrook, or you know, I, that really hinders your ability to build a roster around those two guys that can contend. And if, but you still have Anthony Davis under contract for three more years, and I, I don't think that you you pull a panic move and trade him um, just to get out of your your Russell Westbrook uh, conundrum. So I, I think that this is still Anthony Davis and LeBron James next year, uh, but they're going to have to find a way off of Russell Westbrook. Uh, okay, so this this year, uh, and and by the way, does Frank survive to next year? Like, what has to happen for Frank to survive for, for next year? Yeah, that's a tough. That's a much tougher one because remember, he's only on. He's 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 on, he has one year left on his contract, and that was the 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 one year extension the Lakers gave him in the offseason, Sort of a backhanded compliment of, you know, thanks for the championship. Uh, you know, we don't want you to be a lame duck. Uh, so here's here's a one year extension. Well, so now he's set up to be a lame duck again next year after you know two, real, you know really discouraging years. Um, if I'm Frank Vogel, I'm not coming back next year without a multi year contract extension. And if I'm the Lakers, I mean you honestly rightly could say the results haven't been there for a multi year contract extension uh, since the championship. So I don't know where that leaves them, and that is where we've seen a lot of coaches and and teams part ways and you know, I know Frank loves being a, a, a Laker I, he loves you know he, he's man I think he's kind of navigated the the you know the the, the um, unorthodox front office you know pretty pretty savvily um, but I, I do I do feel like this is kind of on the path toward a divorce just because it doesn't it doesn't I don't it doesn't seem like either side is going to get what they want when they sit down in the offseason. He's on Twitter, at Bill Orem. That's at Bill Orem, Lakers insider for The Athletic. Bill, appreciate your time. And uh, if I get that Bulls versus Lakers or Bulls versus Blazers game going on, I'll, I'll invite you because Doug and I like to play games too. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get a big uh, uh, tournament going. My mom donated mine. I found this out like three Thanksgivings ago. She took <laughs> the Genesis and Blazers versus Bulls to like Goodwill. Dude, dude you know it. what you could get for that on eBay? Yeah. I, get I don't, like, like I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my God, I'm looking up it right now. Bulls versus Blazers. Here it is. Nine thousand dollars. There you go. That's oh, what you could have that's what you could have made. Stop <laughs> it. Let me at least have coffee before you before you tease me like this. <laughs> Take it easy, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right. There goes Bill Oram. Uh, so, Doug, as far as the Lakers go with where things are, he said, look, you know, they'll, they'll try to move off of Westbrook and, and LeBron and AD will be here for next year. Are things going to get better? I mean, that, that's the thing, that, that what's, gonna, what's it going to take for things to get better between LeBron and the Lakers? Because you, you, can, you can use this leverage like he's trying to use right now about getting better doing things, but you know, at some point, you, know, you can't make players take players they don't want to, so the Lakers' trades, you know, what they have to do may wind up being uh, something that they run up against a brick wall on. How do things get better at this point? Um, I mean, you're going to have to move Westbrook, okay? And you're going to have to get you know, super creative. You know, one of the things that they've remade this roster seemingly every year, and you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to try and get creative. I I don't I don't, I don't know. Um, moving off Westbrook will be the big thing. Would you, would you? I wouldn't. Again, this is a lot like the Aaron Rodgers idea. I wouldn't trade LeBron James, but at least it has to be discussed. You know, I don't think you can trade Anthony Davis, uh, not just because of how good he is. Uh, or that he's a clutch client, but I just again, just like LeBron James, these are unicorns, and unless you're getting a unicorn back in return, there's there's no sense in 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 trading one of these guys away. I mean, I just basically think you got to find some way to be creative. You know, you'll probably have to take on a bad contract or two anyway, and then you know get other pieces. But the Westbrook things, it's not going to get better. It's it's going to be what it is. You know, I mean, you're going to have to just kind of try and live with it. And deal with it, and you know you couldn't really move him, and so you you get to the summer when you have more options as it's an expiring deal. I I don't think there's any uh, a- any other way for them to proceed. Do I think it gets better? I don't think they're that terribly far off. The problem is they're just their entire construction is flawed. They went from the best defensive team in the NBA, and then they they traded away one of their two best perimeter defenders. They allowed the the other to walk away, even though he would have taken less. You know. Caruso and Contavious Caldwell-Pope were huge parts of how they played and who they were, and they've had to change and try and find their identity, and they just cannot with this group. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes. We'll have more on the Lakers coming up next hour on the show, but elsewhere in the NBA, wanted to get to this for a couple minutes, James Harden makes his 76ers debut tonight. Uh, It's going to be the event in the league tonight. I'm still waiting for Ben Simmons to make his debut for the Nets, which right now we're thinking might not be until the middle of next month. Doug, I like the Harden move for this year for the 76ers because it's a short-range uh, time to have to get James Harden to commit. And and most importantly, at the end of playoff games when he gets tired, the, he's got a guy to go to in Joel Embiid because, because that's kind of how it goes for James Harden. He plays great. He gets tired at the end of games. Now they got Joel Embiid to hopefully finish. I, I kind of like things for the Sixers here with this lightning in a bottle for you know 20-some-odd games in the playoffs for the Sixers. Okay, but you like that, but you don't like the Nets. Explain that one. I don't like the Nets because the Nets have shown since they got to this 
incarnation of the team with KD, Kyrie, and Harden, which now turns into Simmons, they have found a way to hit roadblock after roadblock. They have found a way to hit obstacles. They couldn't play more than 16 games together, right? They were great when the three of them played together, but there was always something. KD was hurt. Some of it's injuries. KD is hurt. Harden is hurt. Kyrie is hurt. We don't know when Kyrie is going to play. We don't know when he's going to need time off. We think it's going to be great that he's going to play every game coming up in a month, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he winds up getting hurt maybe Ben Simmons can't fit in with the with the Nets because being beholden to KD is a lot different than being beholden to Joel Embiid and you wonder if he's going to be able to handle the pressure cooker I, I just watched the last year and a half and they just seem to find those find those obstacles it, and if and they could win the first two games Ben Simmons could show up to win the first two games by 30 points it's going to be Nets are great Nets are awesome. They're terrific. And then two weeks, in two weeks, something's going to happen because something has always yeah, so, happened but, with the but, Nets but wait, with this group. But wait, something always happens with the Sixers. Joel Embiid always gets hurt, okay? And James Harden either gets hurt with his hamstring or doesn't play in the defense or stinks in the playoffs. So, again, I'm not saying, uh, you know, like, look, last year when they were healthy, they beat the – they would have beat the Milwaukee Bucks if they stayed healthy. They didn't, right? And I, I understand there's always something, a Kyrie injury or whatever away. But you could say the exact same thing, if not more, about the Sixers with both of their stars. And, you know, they, they trade away their shooting, a, a good portion of, of their floor spacing in a Seth Curry. So I, I'm not – I, I understand your lack of conviction with the, with the Nets. There's 22 games left. The, first, the, first, the next five games are really tough games. It's not like they're going to turn around in a heartbeat. But if you're not buying in on the Nets – why would you buy it on the Sixers? That doesn't make any sense to me. It should, look, James Harden, when he's motivated, can be terrific. And, and the fact that if he does get tired, he, needs, he can share the load with Joel Embiid. Look, it's a go-for-it year in the East, right? The East is wide open. So I'm okay with it. It's not, next year, James Harden's going to find a way to be upset with the Sixers. He's going to be upset with Joel Embiid. But the whole honeymoon period... I, I like the idea of it. You know, look, they, they added a guy in Harden, and they didn't really take away they, they didn't take away Ben Simmons because he wasn't really playing. Yes, you lose you lose a role player, which is which is you know they probably didn't want to do. But in the end, you added a guy who, if he can be James Harden and the guy that that brought the Rockets to within a hair's breadth of the the NBA Finals, I think that's a pretty good gamble to take. I'm just going to tell you the the same history that's working against the Nets. You have working against the Sixers. Intelligence runs in the family. Innovation runs in the family. Extraordinary runs in the family. The 2022 Mercedes-Benz range of SUVs. Every member is waiting to impress. Learn more at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Fox Sports Radio, Jason Smith and Doug Gottlieb in for Dan Patrick today. Coming up next, boy, do we have a college basketball ejection from late last night to tell you about. I'm sure it makes Doug Gottlieb jealous the way that this coach got ejected from a big-time top 25 game a night ago. That's straight ahead right here. This is Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Fox Sports Radio, the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Doug Gottlieb in for Dan and the Danettes today. We got big stuff on LeBron and the Lakers coming up in about 15 minutes. But uh, last night was an ejection that I'll tell you. 
if you thought Danny Hurley was something earlier this week, you know, revving up the crowd and getting tossed, got nothing on Brad Underwood, head coach of the fight in the Lion Eye, who was thrown out of the game, tried to pump up the crowd, came back on the court. This is what it sounded like on the call. The Lion Eye coach is going to get his money's worth now. They can't find you anymore, so you no. get, it, get we, it out. We saw this earlier in the week on FS1. Dan Hurley got ejected for making that same motion to the crowd, but it's too late for to eject Coach Underwood. Yeah, FS1 there, but it was a little bit more than just revving up the crowd. This is pointing to a bunch of guys going, blank you, blank you, blank you. Doug, you were on the call of this game, man. What was it like to see it? It was really interesting. You know, you had. Uh, Illinois was really struggling at home, and Kofi Coburn is their big center. I mean, he was 5 of 15 from the floor. He's missing some point break shots. But he also got called for a couple of, of, of fouls that could have gone either way. I didn't think the officiating was terrible. I thought there was probably one that could have been not called. But I also think that, you know, he gets away with traveling and some other stuff where at some point, they were actually better when he fouled out. And and Underwood, I think he wanted to get thrown out. It motivated the crowd. It fired up the team. And they came back, nearly won the game, pressing and hitting threes. Um, but it was it was something. So so here's one thing. You have to know the rules. The rules are, the reason Danny Hurley got ejected for a second technical is if you incite the crowd to cheer or jeer a call, specifically like a technical foul, you can, in fact, get a technical by rule. Spirit of the rule, letter of the rule, usually you get a technical and the officials let you get your money's worth. Brad got one in the first, uh, I think in the first half, just yelling right at a ref who's smaller than him, just, and he deserved it. The second one, he wanted. And then firing up the crowd and going out, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was like a, it was almost it was almost to the those old school baseball ones where they get chin to chin you start kicking dirt on them right and then throwing things on the it was almost to that level but uh, underwood it that technical served its purpose he got his money's worth it fired up his team they played better and they almost won the damn game it was like Gene Hackman. I want you to kick me out of the game. What? Yeah, I kick want me out you of the to game. kick me out of the game. Yes. I think my favorite part was that, you know, he got thrown out and he was walking off the, you know, he, it was blank you and, you know, like burger time, blank you, blank you, except nobody was cool. You're cool. Blank you, blank you. He gets to, almost to the point where, all right, he's walking off the court. It's over. Nope. I'm coming back, and I'm, I got more stuff to say. It's like at that point he said, you know, I'm out of the game. I'm still pissed off at this rep. For some, maybe he called that ball out of bounds on us against Michigan last year, and I'm still mad. I'm going back out because I want more. I kind of yeah. That was my favorite part. Not that he got thrown out, but that, no, I'm still coming back because I still have more stuff to say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one, of the, one of the guys holding back is my boy Joey Biggs. And uh, Joey <laughs> – He's trying to stay in the way of him. And Underwood has, he's got that really, he's got good hair, but he's got that like, I don't know what you call that thing on your hair where it kind of like curls down, curls over, right? So it, you know, when you're relaxed and you're chill, it looks really cool. When you're mad, it makes you, it makes you look kind of crazy. And his, the hair is kind of flopping and he's pointing and yelling and F you and got, it was he got his money's worth. I thought Jim Jackson nailed it. He got his money's worth. I wanted him to come back out for the handshake line. Yeah, just 
<laughs> hey, no, 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 everything's all good. Oh, it's all, I want to shake the ref's hands. No, no, you're out of the game. No, I'm coming back. We had a big thing with handshake lines. I want to show that it's okay. We should still have the handshake line in college basketball. Yeah, that's funny. Where, where were you on the handshake line? Oh, I was fine with it. You know, I, I mean, I'm, no, I'm fine with keeping the handshake line. I mean, we, we get an instance like this that comes up and suddenly that rushes. Oh, we have to get rid of the handshake line. Look at what's happening. There are thousands upon thousands of basketball games a night where the handshake line goes through and nothing happens. But you get right. the one where, look, Jawan Howard got out of control. He shouldn't have acted the way he did. And, uh, you know, Greg Gard shouldn't have acted the way he did. And it was adjudicated right. You know, Gard got fine. Howard got suspended. When one of these things happens, it makes it seem like it's an epidemic, like it's happening all over the country. This is one thing that happened one time. And, yeah, I think we can still have the handshake line. I'm okay with it. I would I, – I tend to agree with you. Um, I, I – you know, it, it does – it reminds me a little bit of the shoe bomber deal, right? Got one guy stuffs a bomb in his shoes, and so for the next decade we've been taking – that's – there's there's personal safety on the line there. That's why it's different. But still, the idea that one person can ruin it for everybody – uh, that's, that, that's like the worst scenario. I agree. Um, I'm, I'm a pro handshake line sort of guy. See, I, I look at it like the LeBron jersey burning. When the one guy burned his jersey when he left the Cavs and it got yes. all over the internet, and he was like, but you should stop burning jerseys. It's not an epidemic. It's not happening in every state. There's not LeBron. One guy burned a jersey, and it made its way on social media, and it's like everybody's doing it. No, one person did it. There was Nobody else is going out burning LeBron James jerseys everywhere. Well, that, that's, that's, the, that's the biggest issue with social media, right, is it makes you feel like something that's a small group, a small number is a lot bigger than it actually is. Mm. Twitter at how about as I say Twitter at how about a fresca Doug at Gottlieb show uh, so give me one to ten the Brad Underwood ejection with ten being the greatest it could possibly be where are you uh, that's like an eight that's like an eight there okay. no I the, he didn't he didn't go to start throwing basketballs out in the floor right <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't any mocking like he didn't he didn't pantomime any officials calls like we haven't seen that yet <laughs> outside of that uh, he pretty well nailed it we got more basketball on the way coming up next yet another bit of evidence of why the lakers are just not working was this lebron and anthony davis's fault Ooh, it might be that's straight ahead right here jason and doug this is fox sports radio